0: This is PhotoBizX episode number 520. And today we are talking food photography, which I think is a very first for PhotoBizX interviews. And I know you're going to love what today's special guest shares. I'm talking about Emma Dunham. She's a UK based food photographer. And the majority of her business is built around servicing other small businesses in the food industry. I know you're going to love what she has to share.
1: Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich.
0: Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here, host of the Photo BizX podcast, where I interview guests from around the world to help you build a better photography business. I'm coming to you again from Girona in Spain, and I have to tell you, the weather here is amazing, and by all accounts, it is absolutely freezing back at home, or so Linda tells me. So I am lapping up this warm weather and will not complain about the fact it's very hot today. Anyway, let's get into today's episode. Actually, before we do get into this interview with Emma, I wanted to give you a heads up that next week's episode, episode 521, is going to be something totally different. As you probably know, as a podcast listener, there are a ton of photography business related podcasts out there these days. And who has time to listen to them all? I'm guessing you don't. I know I don't. But. I want to make sure that you do know about some of the other good podcasts that are out there. So next week, you're going to hear some of the best business ideas and strategies from some of the best photography business podcasters out there. It's a roundup of sorts. A bunch of us have got together and pre-recorded segments for the episode, and we're all sharing the episode on our respective feeds. So make sure you tune in next week. Don't be put off by the fact that it's something different and look out for that one when it drops in a week's time. Before that though, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I know you're going to love what Emma has to share and it doesn't matter, again, I say this so often, whether or not you photograph food or you're interested in photographing food with your photography business, I am certain that what Emma shares in this episode will have some relevance to you and what you can do in your business to help grow it even faster. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Oh, and if you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Emma. I am saving a large portion of the second half for premium members only. The good news is you can access the full interview and all of the back catalogue. Get an invite to the members' Facebook group and see what the premium membership is all about for as little as $1 with a 30-day trial membership. Head over to photobizx.com forward slash try for more details about that trial membership and to hear the full interview today with Emma. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Take one look at the portfolio of today's guests and you will be treated to a mouth-watering extravaganza of colourful, beautifully lit, delectable food. From the most creative combination of portraits and vegetables to cakes, burgers, cocktails and more. Now her first career was in sales and marketing and her second is photography, which she's been doing professionally for over 15 years. And she says on her website that her images are designed to be a powerful tool for her clients to use and get more money in the till. Not only does she photograph food and the people behind the menus, she teaches cafe and restaurant owners how to get the best photos for their business to empower them to create the kind of content to attract even more customers. It sounds like this savvy businesswoman has found a way to combine food photography with personal branding and coaching. I can't wait to learn more. I'm talking about Emma Dunham from the UK, and I'm wrapped to have her with us now. Emma, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much, and what a lovely introduction. (laughs) I think I could have you in my life the whole time, just presenting that to me at any opportunity. I'd feel... Oh, it would just be amazing. Well,
0: thanks to the magic of editing, no one's going to hear me stumbling over
1: anything and it's going
0: to sound absolutely perfect for the listener. (laughs) So Emma, tell me, I mean, you've been shooting professionally for 15 years, but before I hit record, you just told me that you've been photographing food for three years. So so what led to the food photography?
1: Well, I have to say that lockdown was my fault. I was miserable in my Photography business. I started it when my children were young. I photographed portraits and schools and everything to do with people. And as my children got older, I didn't want to spend the rest of my life with other people's children and families. I actually wanted my weekends to be with my family and to share in what they were doing, standing on the football pitch, going to dancing, doing all the things with my children. And Over the years, I started to get more and more resentful. And when lockdown happened, I breathed a huge sigh of relief and said to myself, I've created lockdown. It's my fault because I'm not happy. I've got my own business. And how embarrassing is it that I've got a business that I've built up over all this time that I don't like? I don't like what I'm doing. I don't like going to work. I don't like the people that I'm spending my time with. And it was a bit of a shocker that having that mirror held up to you and going, crikey, what on earth have you done? So lockdown came about and I decided this was my only golden opportunity to change, to jump lanes, to change what I do and start as a food photographer. And it all started with me just pottering around in lockdown, taking photos and I would put my photos in for a monthly critique with my photography association and they'd get slated. They were horrendous. You know, I would sit there with my hands in my just poking out from my eyes, just like, oh, my God, my photos are so bad. So I just learned I carried on going. I just went, right, I'm going to nail this to the point that the critiques got less harsh. I then started to win a few. Hey, you got highly commended this month. Well done. It was like, oh my goodness, it's getting better. And then I decided I needed to get myself into the commercial market. I'd always been business to customer. And I had to then find customers from the business side of it, had not got a single lead, a single clue what I was doing, nothing. I started absolutely from scratch. So I started on LinkedIn. I teamed up with the fantastic Jeff Brown, the photographer's mentor, and he got me set up on LinkedIn. I started with 75 contacts two and a half years ago, and no, maybe coming up to three. And I had 75 contacts that were probably mostly my family and good friends. And after I posted consistently for two years on LinkedIn, I'm now at 12,000 LinkedIn connections. My business predominantly all comes from LinkedIn and I'm still training and learning and critiquing. But the difference with my critiques now are I win things, I win golds, I win silvers <laughs> and uh, the last two years I was honoured to be placed in the Pink Lady Food Photography Competition, which is one of the highest accolades for a food photographer. So things just went a little bit crazy. Amazing, amazing. Take me back to when
0: you were holding that mirror up to yourself and you like you consciously said to yourself that uh, you just don't like your business anymore. If COVID didn't hit, and I know I know this is a hypothetical, you know, What would you have done?
1: I think I would have got there eventually. I'm quite a determined person, but I don't think I would have got there in the short space of time for how I did get there because I had that time to learn, to practice, to get it wrong. You don't have the time when you're in your business to get things wrong because that's the difference of a client working with you again or not working with you again. And so I had all that time to practice and have all that harsh criticism on how bad my photos were. And I could have quite easily slunk off and just gone back to families and just said, oh, it's just easier here. I know what I'm doing. But I had to keep reminding myself I didn't get the joy from it. And the joy or the profit, really, you know, someone wanted a passport photo. Hey, come in. Yeah, sure. Have a passport photo. Now I have an absolute minimum of anyone coming into the studio and I'm happy to turn people away because I feel really confident in where I've moved the business to.
0: So good. So you still love photography. Like it didn't sound like you even considered going back to sales or marketing.
1: No, it was still always photography, but whenever I had a spare moment and we did lockdown um photography competitions, um I photographed everything with food and I just realized, you know, it's like how much more obvious can the universe be to me to say, just look at what you're doing. Look at what you're photographing, you know, get the hint. We're really showing you a really strong message. Get the hint.
0: So good. I want to dive into LinkedIn and how you make these connections and how you've developed the business, but give us a snapshot of your business now. Like what are client's spending with you for a a session or is it a single session or is it normally a package?
1: That's a really good point. They can have a single session with me, which is between 1,500 and 2,000 pounds. That is a day with me. I do offer a half day at 995, but realistically, it's not a great one that people will take. They can get so much more out of that. Um, They get a Pinterest board created for them. I build all the sets before I go to them or they come to me. I show them videos. I give them a lot of time and attention beforehand, but they do pay 1500 to 2000 for my services as a one off. If they want to book the annual package, they get one free and then they pay me 25% up front and then they just pay the rest a week before each of those sessions. I also have a couple of recurring clients that book me every month. They are new startups. They're trying to get their food done. They're trying to create the recipes at the same time and they call me in and we do four or five food Um, for for them each month which is great and it's all on their packaging and it all gets sent out and it's lovely i see myself in supermarkets not me (laughs) i don't have to see my own face i see the food i've photographed in supermarkets and online and and that is a lovely lovely feeling
0: wow okay great so 1500 to 2000 generally as a general number and how many sessions per week or per month are you looking to book
1: I look at the moment, when I first went into this, I was looking at one to two per week. So I could really maximize on getting out there and seeing as many people as possible. I now look at one as a maximum per week because I want to do it really well. And also I have other things that I work on as well. I've written a book. I um, run an academy. So I've got other things as well. That add to my pot of gold, but at the moment it's one session a week, which in my ripe old age um no one can see that on a podcast that's okay <laughs> um, it's good you know as we mentioned before, the knees get a bit dodgy, the back is a bit bad, and to be trying to up the amount I photograph is crazy as I get older I want to still make money from photography but look at all the different sources and all the different passive income and recurring income that, that I can do. And that makes a lot more sense to me.
0: I love it. I love it. Okay. So, so with the photography alone, I mean, we're looking at if I do a conversion from UK pounds to US dollars, it's a, you know, up to $10,000 a month US, which is fantastic. And then you've got the other income sources as well. So tell me about the actual clients. You know, I mean, I assume they were cafe and restaurant owners. Was I right in that assumption?
1: Well, I always thought it would be chefs that would hire me. But what I tend to find is I've got a really big mix. I've got those people in lockdown. So things changed slightly with lockdown. People came out of their corporate businesses and decided to set up on their own. So the first people I was getting to book with me just after lockdown were afternoon tea makers, fudge and delightfully uh, delicious bites that came out like tray bakes. Um, So here was me thinking I'll be in restaurants and I'll be doing everything there. But it was a lot of people that were starting at home and doing things at home. And going forward now, I work with a lot of startups or people that are just online and they're doing home delivery. So the amount of restaurants and cafes I'm in It's not as high as I actually imagined at the beginning. It's the people that need the really good photos online that sells their business. Whereas a cafe can kind of wing it a little bit if you're walking past or you're eating something delicious. If you're running a home delivery new build, you've got to have good imagery or you can't charge the premium prices for the food that they're looking to achieve on these sites. God, okay. So it sounds like a lot of
0: these businesses are also popping up because of COVID or since COVID. Right. But so when I look at your gallery, your portfolio, which is incredible, you know, I can understand, you know, maybe sure cakes and treats getting made at home and getting delivered, but I'm seeing lots of, you know, cocktails and actual meals, you know, pancake stack, things like that. Are they for the same kinds of small businesses?
1: They are. What I tend to do is, if I'm doing a meal for someone, I always try and get a few different shots out of the meal. If
0: you're creating a meal for your friends and family, or you mean for a client?
1: For a client. So if they had a, one of my clients has a butter bowl, which is tofu and broccoli and all these amazing stuff in a bowl. I will then try and do them some shots with just the ingredients, just the bowl with a hand in the bowl, so that rather than them having one shot for everything they do, they've got five shots. So some of the shots that you'll see on my website are ones that then that are not necessarily their commercial image that's on the front of their packaging, but it might be an extra shot that I've done to help them with the blueberries, the maple syrup, the pancake itself for a baker. These are the creative shots that a lot of them also need for social media side of the business to keep that current and active.
0: Got it. Okay. So it sounds like you're doing some coaching for these clients to help them with their social media and their marketing themselves.
1: You've hit the nail on the head. I work with small businesses. I don't work with supermarkets or the very big companies because I love being able to coach my clients and help them maximize what they're doing on their social media what they're going to do with their images, how they tie in all the colors of their branding. And if I was working for the big giants, I wouldn't get the opportunity. I would just be that small cog that goes in and click. I've done the photo. I go. And with my background, I love being able to help them. And I think that that keeps my clients with me because I give them so much more than just a photo I help them get their eyes on their images and get their food noticed, which makes them feel good. <laughs> so
0: good. So this is remarkably similar, a different genre to what uh, Anne was doing, who I interviewed a week or two ago. So, so is that Jeff's influence or did you and Anne come up with these things yourself and develop that into your business and just happen to be you know, friends and doing the same thing at the same time?
1: Yeah, Jeff, Anne, and I go walking together. So we do do a lot of brainstorming. (laughs) Okay. Um, But I think that you start to, you know, you spar off each other of things that you're doing. And, hey, I'm doing this. Oh, I might borrow a little bit of that and do that in here. But some of it is just a process that you put your personality into. So you know that when I'm speaking to a client and they say, I want to photograph this stir fry. And I go, okay, is a stir fry in a bowl or is it on a plate? Is it chopsticks or is it a fork? What are the colors? So a lot of it is a, a process of common sense of you as the photographer saying, if I want this shoot to run smoothly, this is what you need to do. Um, we need a Pinterest board. I need to see what's in your head. Does this picture look earthy and organic? Or does it look fresh, cool, inviting? I need to know so that I know what background to put it on, what napkins to put with it, what the cutlery is going to be like, if we're going to have some cute little pinch bowls in there. So they're talking and my head's going da 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 Before then, I don't get there to their restaurant. And they go, oh, no, you've totally got it wrong. That to me is a fail on me if I got to somewhere And what was in my head was different to what they have. So I give them the Pinterest board and say, anything you don't like that I've put in, delete. Anything extra you want to put in, just put it in. And then we've got a good common ground to where we're going on it.
0: Got it. Okay. So I had the impression again that you, and also because I can see behind you, I can see soft boxes and studio lights. I thought everything was coming to you, but you're actually going to (laughs) the client's places, are you, to photograph?
1: It really depends. I have clients that send me stuff that I've been working with for a while. They trust me. We do the Pinterest board. We do the what's going into every shot. I will then fire off a couple of test shots, get them on Zoom, show them the setup, send them the images and say, are you happy for me to continue down this route? Then we can just tweak. I have people that bring Everything here. Last year, I had this lovely lady that bought me pink gin. Well, it was a bit disappointing because she put blackcurrant juice heavily watered down instead of the gin. I thought we were going to get absolutely lashed on this pink gin at the end of the session, but obviously, she didn't want to give it away. She had the most photos ever, or ever setups. We had twenty-seven setups in a day. Wow! But because she was organised. She came to me, she had a glass for every single different shot of gin. She knew, because we'd done a spreadsheet, what was going in. And I was starting to worry, am I going to get 27 different shots done? And we did it. Because she came here, we even sat outside and had some lunch outside the studio for 20 minutes. Like, when does that happen on a shoot?
0: (laughs) So good. So Because she was so organised, you were able to get through the shot list.
1: Yeah. Whereas this week, I'm at one of my regulars. I shoot in a storeroom. That's where they place me. I'm not allowed to go anywhere else. We've got no lighting. I take the lighting. For them, I take all the plates, all the crockery, all the cutlery. They get a lot out of me, but I shoot with them every month. And I build the sets. I'm building the sets behind me at the moment. And I just video every set. They have 16 colors that go on the front of their packaging. And I work within those 16 colours and they gave me two colours for each one. So I take a lot with me with them and we get through four to six meals at their place each month.
0: I mean, just listening to yourself now talking about these setups, the things that you bring, uh, the planning, the different accompaniments and colours, I mean, when you started three years ago, You wouldn't have had a clue about any of this. Like, look how far you've Like It must blow you away.
1: It does, and I love it. I'm so passionate about food photography and how it can be done so badly and how I can help people do it well. Um, Yeah, but I have a little bit of a problem. The problem is I now spend a lot of time in charity shops, car boot sales, we're walking down a nice little place in France. Oh, I've just got to pop in there. They've got a nice little old saucepan that I want. I've now got a shed in the garden that is my prop shed, not a a little shelf. I've got a shed full of everything you could ever need. And the running joke with the guys I'm with this week is, have you got one of, of course you've got that. Have you got, of course you've got one of those. It's like, If I haven't, I'm going to get it. I'm going to find it and I'm going to get it. So slight issue with food photography, you end up rummaging through everything you can to get all these things to photograph the food for. It's fantastic.
0: So good. So is everything all inclusive when you price a job? So, you know, you quote your 1,500 to 2,000 pounds for the day session and they get all that and they just get as many images as you are capable of creating in the day.
1: I push towards that unless they have a strict budget, they could have a limited amount of photos. For me personally, I always push the highest package that I can, which 99.9% of the time people take it because I say to them, everything in your gallery is yours. So they don't have to sit and go through the time for them and the time for me to sit through that gallery and choose what they want. And bearing in mind, I add a lot of extra value by giving them the ingredient shot, the stack of pancakes, the this, the that. Um, they want it all when they see it. So predominantly, most of the time I give everything. I don't want to start with the Oh, well you had a couple of extra shots there because I don't think that's a really nice feeling for a premium brand out there to be charged a little extra for for something else that's the way I like to work for sure,
0: yeah. I understand that. So, what about the lady who turned up and wanted 27 different setups with her gin? Like, did you have to forewarn her that hey, listen, we may not get through all 27?
1: Yeah, I promised her all the photos from the gallery of what we could do. I said to her, if you have every shot lined up, because she said, How can we get through it? So, I said, Okay everything on the same set we photographed together so she jiggled around the 27 shots I mean she can I've never had anyone if all my clients were like this I'd be home by lunchtime you know she knew she wanted them plus she I knew that it was important to her because she was paying out for a branding agency at the same time and eventually she actually dropped the branding agency because I could give her everything that she needed through the photography and she got enough out of it. But she just, she listened to what I said and she just nailed it. You know, she, she was on it. She could be my assistant any day of the week now, honestly.
0: (laughs) So good. So good. So Emma, tell me about LinkedIn, because I mean, you said earlier that that's where primarily all your clients are coming from. How do you get someone from LinkedIn to call you or email you about a price or to come and photograph their food. Like what are the steps involved in creating clients from LinkedIn?
1: Oh, well this could be a whole separate podcast, but I will condense it as much as I can. But the first thing I'm going to say, which is a bit boring, is consistency. So, when I first went onto LinkedIn, I gave myself a non-negotiable, I have a few non-negotiables in my business. One of them is I had to post on LinkedIn five times a week regardless of whether I was going on holiday, whether I was busy, whether I was shooting, whatever happened, five days a week, I had to post on LinkedIn. And that was before scheduling. Scheduling has only just come out. So I showed up, you know, some weeks I'd be sitting there going, right, what do I talk about today? What do I talk about? And also because it was in lockdown when I started, it took me eight months to get my first client.
0: Wow. And you were posting five times a
1: week. Yeah. Yeah. For nothing. And to start with very few people um, actually talking to me. You know, I'm, I'm talking to myself for weeks, months. Hey, this is what I'm doing. Hey, look at this. Isn't this great? Wow! nothing, nothing. You know, occasionally my mum or dad might put, "Oh yeah, doing great," you know. But <laughs> oh, it was it was quite brutal, and I think that is the point. You need a structure of people around you that tell you to keep going. As someone that's not your partner and someone that is not really a friend, someone in business that are like minded like you that just say, "Just keep going, just keep going." Wow. I am keep going. I am keeping going. Yeah, eight
0: months is a long time to see no results. Yeah, like you, see so you must have had a feeling that it was going to work eventually. Like, why did you have that feeling?
1: No, I didn't. I just knew I loved it. I just knew it brought me joy.
0: Yeah, but, but then why not leave LinkedIn and start posting on Facebook or Instagram or go and network or direct outreach? Like, why did you stay with LinkedIn?
1: I wrote everything for LinkedIn in a, a long text format. Which is what LinkedIn likes, because you need to stay on someone's post for three seconds for it to count in as an impression, so that LinkedIn then uses that impression to further your reach, so I knew I was writing for LinkedIn, but all I did every morning was copied that same post onto Facebook and Instagram, and Facebook and Instagram got the same kind of likes and comments that I got on LinkedIn, but then the difference with LinkedIn is every week I was targeting all the chefs, restaurants, cafes, and I was building my audience, which I couldn't do on Insta, um, which I couldn't do on Instagram and Facebook. I could only do that on LinkedIn. So by the time I'm starting to get all of these inquiries, my my connections were well, so far ahead of where they were on Instagram and and Facebook. It couldn't grow like that on Instagram and Facebook. And also the people on Instagram and Facebook don't want to pay 1,500 pounds for a shoot. I've never, ever, ever had a client from Instagram, but I've got my staunch people out there that will tell me how great my food photography is, but no one has ever paid me any money for it. So they still get my LinkedIn post copied over to them it's too long for Instagram. I don't care. Because they're not they're not paying me any money. Right. So they're not getting any more of my time.
0: So why even post to Instagram at all and Facebook? Like why do that at all?
1: Because when you're getting stalked and people are looking for you, they go, I'm looking for a food photographer, but I want someone that's current and doing things at the moment. If, for example, Instagram is a very good place to find a food photographer, or a photographer of any genre. And then people always check when the last time was that they posted. So if people can see that I've posted five times a week, I'm not particularly fussed on the vanity stats of how many people have liked it and commented on it. I want it there to give a little bit of a to make people feel good that they're investing in someone that's current. Got it. So it's purely stalk-proof. And if people are checking me out, I need them to see that I'm current and I'm doing all this work at the moment so that they feel better to invest in me.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So if you've got this long-form copy that you're using for LinkedIn, did you also utilize that same copy and images as a blog post on your website for SEO?
1: premium members of Photobiz exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest
0: <laughs> so good so good emma you've been amazing i've got two questions i want to finish off with one on ai and one about your challenge your five-day challenge that you alluded to earlier but first of all where is the best place for the listener to see your incredible photography
1: Well, LinkedIn, of course. Uh, (laughs) Of course. (laughs) I have to say LinkedIn first. Uh, Website, my website is emmardunham.co.uk. I'm also on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook. I don't do TikTok. Um, Sorry, everyone. Um, But, yeah, find me on LinkedIn, guys, and connect with me. Let's make our connections increase together.
0: (laughs) So you've got no qualms about connecting with other photographers.
1: I don't because my food photography academy trains photographers how to take food photos, so for me, a huge part of my connections now since I decided to go into the food photography training side is for photographers, so they are actively finding me and i'm I'm actively finding them
0: okay, so tell me about this academy. what is it? How do people learn from you
1: so when I go back my meager three years of swapping lanes into Food photography. I did not know where to start in the commercial sector. I didn't know where to start on lighting, on props, on anything. And I spent a huge amount of time researching everything and going through so much stuff, took so much time, which I had in lockdown. People don't have that time anymore. So I decided that once I was up and running and it was working for me and I built something up from scratch that worked. That I would then train it to other photographers. And so I run a five-day challenge for them to learn a few little nuggets about how it works, like today, with things that we're saying. And then they're invited, if they think it's for them, to come into my Food Photography Academy, which is everything. It is business, LinkedIn. It is um, how to draw up a lead magnet how to light, how to compose. It's just got everything you need. If you say, right, today I want to be a food photographer, I'll say, oh, I've got just the thing for you. And that's what the academy is.
0: Okay, so so the way into the academy, is that the training tab on your website? And then from there, do they do the challenge first or can you go straight into the academy?
1: You can message me if you want to go straight into the academy, but most people tend to do the five-day challenge because I offer a very special six weeks live training after the five day challenge finishes. And they have me for six weeks in the group where we go through things all week together. So six weeks together, then I'm still in the group, but we don't have as much live training. But my last guys in there have just found it invaluable. And then they just, they all start talking. They're like my little children now, and they're all bouncing off each other. and. Their progression is just fantastic to see. Fantastic.
0: Awesome. Unreal. Okay. So, the training tab on your website is that the best way in?
1: Yeah, sure.
0: Perfect. Okay, then you've got the five-day challenge there. I can see that right there, front and centre. Perfect. Uh, Emma, that's amazing. I'm looking forward to interviewing one of your trainees in the future now to see how how they go. That would be awesome. That would be really cool.
1: They're nipping at my heels, believe me, with the jobs they're getting at the moment. I'm just like, yes.
0: Really? So you're seeing some real success stories?
1: I am. I am. I'm so pleased.
0: All right, well, let's talk when we finish recording and uh, we'll see if we can tee something up with one of your students for the future. Last question for you. AI, is it a factor yet? Do you see it being a factor? Are you worried about it? What are your thoughts?
1: I don't get heavily into AI, maybe because I'm a bit of a dinosaur. But for food, I can't see how everything can be done with food that looks like that person's food, that is authentic, that looks fresh. Um, I think it's going to have a long way to go before it can actually take over the food photography side. And again, it's been down to those people that use a phone at the moment and you're looking at a cheap food photographer. They're going to be hit first because someone that's only getting food photos with a phone don't see the value in having a branded on message set of photos that are bespoke to them, they'd be happy on that side. So for me at the moment, I don't, I can't see it touching me, but never say never.
0: For sure. Yeah. And I imagine that's right. The clients that you're serving see their food as their children and AI can't create a photo of my child, same as it can't create a, a photo of their food at this point. So yeah, good point. Emma, amazing stuff. Congratulations on your success. Thanks for coming on and sharing everything you have. You're amazing. Again, massive thanks and um, looking forward to hearing more from you and your students in the future.
1: Oh, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: I hope you enjoyed that interview with Emma as much as I did. Emma, if you are listening, congrats on your success and thank you again so much for coming on and sharing everything you did. For you, the listener, I do hope there were a ton of takeaways from what Emma had to share. If you would like to learn more or dive into more of what Emma had to share, I've got links to anything and everything that she shared in the show notes for today's episode. They are at photobizx.com forward slash 520. Now in those show notes, you'll see examples of her fantastic work, the images that I was referencing in the interview. It's all there in that one spot plus all the links. And of course, if you have a follow-up question for Emma, you can hit her up in the comments area. You can reach out to her on social media or... If you're a premium member, I'll be adding Emma into the members' Facebook group so you'll have easy access to her there. Alrighty, that is just about going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. Like I said, at the top of the show, I am recording from Girona. If you've been following along at all, I have got a bit of a travel blog going. You will know that I've spent the last few days in Andorra. We had an incredible ride to Andorra. If you're not familiar with the country of Andorra, it's a tiny little country nestled between France and Spain. We rode there over a couple of days because it's predominantly uphill. And yesterday, I rode all the way from Andorra back to Girona, 230 kilometers. I feel like I need a day off the bike today, which is perfect timing because today is podcast day and I am looking for any excuse to stay off the bike for a day or so and recover. And it's not so much the sore legs or the fatigue, it's the amount of time out in the sun and the wind. I think it took its toll on me. So it's a day of rest and recuperation, eating, something that I love to do, especially over here, and generally just chilling out. Okay, that is enough from me. Big thanks again to Emma for coming on and sharing everything she did. Don't forget to look out for next week's episode, which is the collaboration episode with other photography business podcasters until then i will see you in the members facebook group talk to you on email maybe chat to you on messenger and as always if you have any questions any comments any feedback please let me know i'm always happy to hear from you and happy to help wherever i can all right have a great week and i'll talk to you soon bye for now
1: If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest.